0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus. This episode was recorded just an hour before our incredible victory over the Celtics, so please keep the generally negative tone of the show in mind, keep it in context. The context was before the Celtics' victory, and Doug was especially hard on the beloved. Uh, That said, I must say, that win over the Celtics was the first time all year that every player on the starting lineup had an exceptional game. DeMar, Zach, Vooch, I.O., and especially Patrick Williams were all fantastic. And I think it shows the potential for the Red Leviathan and how we can potentially do great things when we play up to our capabilities. So that said, we've we've still lost six out of eight. So uh, some of Doug's critiques are are still very valid. And I hope you enjoy listening to the show. Regardless, I want to wish you and your families a happy thanksgiving i am thankful and grateful that you listen to us wax poetic every week about the beloved bulls godspeed and happy thanksgiving <laughs> everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on a cold, blustery winter day, or November day. I have alongside with me in this terrible ride in a uh, decrepit bus, the, the podfather, the,
1: the great one, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? I'm doing, I'm I'm doing okay. Brother. I think we jinxed the bulls, if I remember last show. We said like, well, the record's not great, but at least they're not getting blown out. You know, their wins are by bigger margins than their losses, and things kind yeah, of feel okay. You felt you felt kind of good, but boy, you know, the last few losses have uh, really eaten away at some of that.
0: Oh, no doubt. When you lose to a team like the Orlando Magic, who were zero six on the road, uh, and I don't care what people say, you know, I, I'm really growing weary of. Just wait till Lonzo Ball comes back. I I had some incredible tweets this past week, Doug. I don't know if you've been following me on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, I always follow you. I mean, I don't like to brag, but these were some epic tweets. You ready for one week? I'm ready. I'm ready. This is going to be great. I'm the sure. Magic were missing Bonchero. You know, so obviously Bonchero is their number one overall pick. Sure. who was not in the game on Friday. The Magic were missing Bonchero, but we were missing Ball, two first-round draft picks, and Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> pretty. How good is that? All right, all right. How good well, is that? That's pretty good. I, pat me on the I, back. I
1: like it. I like it. That's pretty good. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very. I just thought, like, I'm so sick of hearing the excuse about uh, Ball. Like, when he comes back, he's going to lead us to the point where we're going to start winning half our games again. Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, this, he's not fixing this. What say you?
1: <laughs> I say that Wendell Carter Jr. wishes he could play Chicago every game. <laughs> That's what I say. No,
0: come on. <laughs> he's been great. No, he wishes overall. he could just play against
1: <laughs> Chicago. He's 21.7 yeah. points a game against the Bulls. 9.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists. 64.4% true shooting percentage. That's what he's done against the Bulls since uh since he's uh caught against us. Are you kidding me? No, no. It's incredible. Those are real stats. Those are well, real stats. No, he I mean, he is uh about? he just like it's like he sees Vucevic and he's like I'm going to just make this guy my bitch. Like <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like every time every time he goes against the Bulls it's a revenge game. He's like it's just just uh just kicking our ass. Uh no, I mean Certainly you hope if Lonzo Ball comes back, he can help right the ship. And I, I don't think that's, like, totally unreasonable. Like, we were playing really well with Lonzo Ball last year. So I get why there's hope there. The the, the thing, though, is, like, is Lonzo – do you feel confident Lonzo will play this year? No. So How could you feel confident? Yeah, so, I mean, like, it, no it's kind of like – I I get it. Like, if Lonzo comes back, there's hope. And, and I feel like there's hope if Lonzo comes back. Like, I feel if Lonzo and Zach could get totally healthy – in the playoffs, like you, you could have something happen. It'd be difficult if you didn't have enough time for them to get the continuity and other stuff. But I feel like talent-wise, you, you could still have something happen. It's just like I use this this example. It's like the Bulls were just playing like one of those uh, Fanduel parlays or something. We're not getting any money from Fanduel. This is just you know whatever. It's like they they took three like long shot gambles on Zach's knees, Lonzo's knees. Uh, Vucevic, and DeMar. And you took all these gambles, and you had to win all of them for to get the good result. And, you know, like we, we won the DeMar gamble, right? Like DeMar is a stud. He looks, like, amazing. And we lost the other three gambles. You're know, like, well, Alonzo's on the court. He looks great. While Zach is not having knee problems, he looks great. You know, Vuce Vuc is actually playing pretty well this year. Like, it, comparatively, he's playing pretty decent. And if you ever want to know about the Vuce trade, what you can now know is... This was a fucking train wreck because Vooch is playing great, and it shows what I said when the trade was made. We are too far away to take advantage of it. Like, Vooch is playing well, but that's not meaningful. Okay, great is a stretch, but he's playing, he's playing better. He's playing fine. Like, Vooch isn't a problem, right? Like, this year, Vooch is not a problem, but that doesn't matter. Like, he's not good enough to move the needle. Like, you traded a needle-moving package for a guy when you had 30 wins, and he's not a needle mover, even when he's playing well, which he's, he's playing well now, and he's playing fine. So, you know, it's like they they took all these wild gambles, and now it's like you you temporarily saw them all kind of hit well, right, for a little bit, and the Bulls are fantastic, and we were all really excited. But it's just nothing about it was sustainable because you were betting on a few guys who are super injury prone and a bunch of aging kind of like, you know, pseudo stars. And then like I said, DeMar's gamble paid off fantastically. He's, He's tremendous. But everything else just kind of turned against them at once. And, and, and here we are. And it's just really hard to see all three of those other gambles turning back around the other way and, and going for us. So it, it it's really tough for me to see how the Bulls come out of this. And it, it's a tough spot. Like, you saw how bad this was at the end of last year, right? Like, it was an absolute disaster. After Ball went out, we were like a bottom three team in the league. And then you went into this season and said, let's double down on that. And, and that's where we are. Like, you just – you, know, you put yourself in this tough spot, and now you're you're really stuck. Rim protection
0: has always been an issue since we made that trade. It will continue to be an issue in the foreseeable future, and you can get away with it when you have Ball and Caruso playing at exceptionally high level, and the on-off numbers for Caruso indicate that he is still playing at a pretty high level on the defensive end. But when you build a team where your three best players are Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and, and Vucevic, All three of them are negative defenders, and you don't have the pieces around them that are really high defenders. The key position is that power forward position, that four, and regardless, no matter how many strides he's made to improve this year, and he clearly has, Patrick Williams is not a good defender. He's not. He does not navigate screens well. He does not rebound well. Those are two important aspects of being a a, a good defensive player. And despite what all the excuses are, are put out there, the Bulls haven't played well with him on the court. And what's more troubling is how bad they've been with the big three together. With or without Patrick Williams. I heard a, per, a stat per 100 possessions they're like a minus 12, which is, it's just untenable. I don't know how that happens. So it's roster construction. Everybody's blaming it on, you know, Billy. And, and Billy's done this. Billy, did. Billy is not the reason this team has no three-point shooters. Billy is not the reason this team has no plus defenders outside of Caruso and Ball, and Ball's been hurt for almost a year. Billy's not the reason that we, we traded two first-rounders and Wendell Cutter Jr. for Vucevic. It's it's like blaming on Billy and just assuming that if you fire him and you bring in another coach, this team's suddenly going to be performing at a high level again is insane. And I'm really tired of hearing about how good we were from October to you know, of February of last year. Boston wasn't remotely the same team then as they are now. Almost every team in the East is better. Almost every team in the East has significant injuries right now. It's not just the Bulls and Ball. Look at Milwaukee has been missing key players. Uh, Now Philadelphia has three of their top four players out. Like, give me a break. Every team has injuries. I'm tired of hearing the excuses. This team's 6-10. and 10. What's most disappointing and concerning to me is the schedule is about to become a buzzsaw. This could get ugly very quick. Our next games are the, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Thunder on the road, the Jazz on the road, the Suns on the road, the Warriors on the road, the Kings on the road who are playing at a decently high level. We don't return home till December 7th to play the Wizards. I think it's entirely possible we could lose every one of those games. What say you DT?
1: Possible. Uh, I mean, long, I mean long, are we going to be favored in any of those games? No, are we going to be favored in any of I don't know when the games? next time we'll be favored. Maybe when we play the Knicks at home. But yeah. The Wizards at home. I don't even know if we'll be favored against the Wizards, to be honest. Oh, I hope so. Why why would you think that? Anyway, maybe, but it's either way my my point uh, I guess maybe what I'll say is this. Did I hear you mention a plus-minus stat in there? It's,
0: a, it's an on-off number. An on-off not, number? It's not, straight, I, it's not the straight plus-minus. Okay, okay. it's so the on-off about.
1: number. You're a big believer of the on-off number? Choose your next I words carefully. I don't want to get carefully. into this, Doug. Choose your next words carefully.
0: I'm just saying our big three, when they're playing yeah. together so far this year, have been getting their ass kicked. Do you know who has the, the
1: worst on-off number on the Chicago Bulls? Here
0: we go. Here we go. Let me guess. It's, it's you going to say it's I.O.? <laughs> it is. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, technically, with those guys technically,
1: Marco Simonovic and Malcolm Hill, in their two and one minutes respectively, are worse. <laughs> but of guys who have played more than two minutes, Ayo Dusumu worst on/off number. Who's on second? Uh, Patrick Williams. your Who's second your boy?
0: There you go. Of course.
1: <laughs> negative twenty-one yeah. and negative twenty, respectively. Uh, anyway, <laughs> wow. anyway, um, unbelievable. Yeah. I go on. I, you know what? I was gonna bring this up, and it, you know what makes me really sad is now when I go on Real GM and I'm posting about the Bulls, there's like a ton of topics. Acme sucks. They sold out all their future to put together this junk roster. It was just trash to begin with. And these are all the things I said two years ago and got completely flamed for saying. Just completely destroyed for saying. And so all those things, I think, have turned out right. Would you agree that turns out that, that... now, no one should be doubting whether I was right two years ago. As far as the Vucevic trade, absolutely. Not just and in general. Just in you. general, is in terms of like the strategy of going all in on this 31-run roster and trading a bunch of future asset, uh, assets to it. I think the DeRozan move was... Sure, DeRozan was a great move. Defensible. It was, it was a great move to and get DeRozan. And I was
0: high on it at the time, and I think you were relatively Yeah, no, I love DeRozan
1: too. as a move. Especially what I said is, once you committed to this strategy... Like that was a really quality asset you got relatively cheaply once you committed to this strategy. And I still hated the strategy. But anyway, so, so what I'd like to say is just, I'll finish, and then you can just tell me I'm an idiot if you want. All
0: right, go on. So I think
1: like their strategy was idiotic. It's all It's just the a above. dumb strategy. Just trying to like, let's try to win now, trade all our future assets, use all our cap room, do everything to go all in on a team that's like a low 30s win team and see what we can do. And then like completely give up our flexibility so we can win whatever. So that was a bad strategy. And there's nothing more depressing than like being right about that. But you can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it at all because it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Like Looking at this team, and like now people would be like, oh, you're so smart, what do you do now? And I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea what you could do with this team now. Like I'd love to say there's some way to fix this, but there's, there's not like I, mean, like, I don't know, would you sell Damar? Could you even trade Zach for something positive right now? Could you trade Lonzo Ball for something positive right now? Like, probably not in either case. You know, and like, yeah, DeMar would get you something, but not nearly that much. Like, you'd be lucky if you got as much for DeMar as Orlando got for Vooch. You're not even going to get that much, most likely.
0: I would argue you could possibly get some for Zach. I think if you called the New York Knicks and said, we'll take RJ Barrett and his contract for Zach Levine, and you're going to also have to throw in a few draft picks, I think New York would make that
1: move. Maybe. Do you disagree? I don't know. I don't know if New York would do it. New York is like similarly dumb and desperate. So like there's always, there's always a chance. <laughs> with, the, with the Knicks, there's always a chance. You could never right, count the me, Knicks out let, doing something stupid.
0: Let me defend, argue against your points. I completely understand the rationale, the thinking. We got to get better. We got to get better quick to make this a better, uh, more appealing place for free agents. Is it to appealing the to the the free agents right now? No, hold have, on a we second. Have right have now, no now it's this? not, but Doug, right now it's not. But there's no doubt it sure was last year for a large swath of the season, and the team did make the playoffs, and they were top seed in the East. So we did get better. Yeah.
1: How the long? The issue did that last? was
0: the two key things that you had. The two key things you had was that number four overall pick, that asset, and the Vucevic trade. Everything was hinging on those two things. The Vucevic trade is a disaster, and and I was for it at the time. Like I'm like, let's go, let's do it, and I loved Wendell Cutter Jr. You would have to be a moron to still stand around and tell me today that that was a good trade. You really do, and I don't want to hear anything about him recruiting anymore. All that is out of the picture. Even if he was the best recruiter in the world, and your moronic opinions on why... How he recruited, uh, you know, Demar Rosen and all, and all these other guys that he brought here were true. If they actually were true, and it wasn't for the money, even so, it was a mistake to get him here. It was a big mistake because now we've we're, we've traded two key assets out of town that we could have used to get better players, like possibly getting in the discussion for, oh, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell or somebody who's actually really good. And number two, you took P. Will over Halliburton. Now, Tyrese Halliburton is averaging 20 points per game, almost five rebounds, and 10 10 assists per game. Like, that was a huge key draft. And no one I know had Pat Will at number four. So when you make a, a home run swing like that, you better be accurate on it. And I could be wrong. Maybe in five years he's gonna be better. He's not even remotely in the same stratosphere as Halliburton now, and he won't be in the foreseeable future. And it's not like Halliburton's suddenly gonna suck. So you lost out on that pick. Those two things were so important, so integral to getting done. Because if you would have got Halliburton, you would hadn't you would not have had to allocate twenty
1: million dollars to get ball in here. I agree. I think that's a little tough, though. Like, Halliburton went 12. All right? It's not like Halliburton went five. He was like a no-brainer at four. Doug, we were talking about Halliburton at four. We were. We were talking about him. We were talking about, like, ten guys. So all I'm telling you is, if, like, you have to go to a guy picked eight guys after Patrick Williams before you find a guy who you thought was, like, a lot better, you know, that was just a tough, tough spot. I, I use the analogy, like... You know, like when there was the LeBron draft, and you were the Detroit Pistons, and you took Darko Milicic, it's like you reached into a bag with, like, a million-dollar bill, you know, a $10 million bill, and a $1 bill, and you grabbed the $1 bill. You know, like you could have had Carmelo, you could have had Bosh, you could have Wade, but you took Darko. Like, this wasn't that situation, right? Like, there was a bag of, like, ten ones and, like, a 100, and we didn't take the 100. So, you know, like... I get it. Like you wanted Isaac Okoro, and Okoro, I think probably, probably better than Pat Williams today. I mean, like I don't think either of them are that great, but no doubt better. defensively, probably better than Pat yeah. Williams today. But like not like if we had Okoro, I wouldn't be like, oh shit, problem solved. It's pretty the close. Team,
0: the Even I will admit,
1: the yeah, team, the team wouldn't close. be like, oh yeah, now now we're balling. You know, like and if, if we got Anyeka Kangwu who went six, no. Killian Hayes went seven, no. Obi Toppin went eight, no. Uh, Denny Advia, who Toppin. went nine. No, Jalen Smith, who Jay- went 10. Yeah, no, like, so it's, I mean, like Toppin would be better. I think Okoro would be better. Devin Vassell, who went 11, be better. Uh, but it's not so you get to Halliburton that you got someone who is like really a lot better. You know, and I just think like if, if a guy's eight picks later, I don't, I, I just don't think you can like hold that, that strongly against them. Fair enough. But you're, but you're right. Like if the overall theme is they did hinge a lot. I mean, part of that was, you just have to know this is a draft. We might get nothing out of, right? Like, you have to be able to evaluate. And if, like, all eight of those guys I named were, like, lousy, you have to kind of know, like, yeah, this ain't a great draft. Like, probably we're not going to get someone really good. And then you have to think about that, not say, the guy we drafted in this weak-ass draft, we're going to count on him to be the power forward of our team. We're not going to bring in anyone to compete with him, and we're going to hand him the role, and we're going to, he's going to be a star. Like, so even if you well say, said. like,
0: oh, well, well –
1: You know, it could have gone either way. You didn't have to hinge your whole franchise on him. You could have said, like, yeah, this is a crap draft. Maybe this guy will pan out. Maybe not. It's a shit draft. Who knows? And then bring in competition. But you didn't do that. So you still failed there. Like, even if you say, well, it would have been tough to pick Halliburton, it wouldn't have been tough to say we need another decent power forward on the roster.
0: Well, here's the thing, too, is that part of the thing we kept on hearing is we're going to evaluate our guys. We're going to evaluate our guys. You send Daniel Gafford out of town for basically nothing, He's clearly better than you thought. You sent Laurie Markin in out of town. He's clearly better than we thought. You know, with averaging now I think he had twenty three and ten the other night for and for the number one team in the West,
1: the Utah. He's having Jazz a great turnaround season. Six. Not that either of us uh, love like, Lowry, but yeah, he did a great turnaround but,
0: season. But but showed far more flashes. Like there were if you're gonna evaluate him fairly, you're not doing him a favor by number one drafting a power forward with your number four overall pick. And number two the minute you took you traded, you know everything in a cupboard for Vucevic. You sent Larry out of town because those two guys can't play together. They're both negative defenders to the point with if you were going to have Larry succeed at the four and commit to him, you better bring in a defensive center who can protect the rim. You didn't do that. Now, by any stretch of the imagination, Larry Markin is twenty times the rebounder that Patrick Williams is. So you could have had success with him, but you evaluated him and you thought. No thanks. You send him on your way and you put it all. And so that's another thing that people rarely talk about in a complication of Vucevic trade. His defensive deficiencies, I mean Vucevic, made Lori's departure inevitable. And so that's also something you have to factor into that move. You literally forced yourself into, you got to send Lori Markanen out of here. So, you know, regardless, I don't think you could have looked at Lori Markanen and, and seen the things that he, that he's done and said, well, I don't think it's impossible that this year. Like, you can't be that surprised about this year. I I, I disagree with this idea, like, I never saw this coming. Uh, Really? I mean, we were all here in in February of 2019. Like, we've seen a lot of signs from Larry Markin, and we just said pass.
1: Am I making a point that you concur with, or do you disagree? Uh, No, I mean, I, I think in the end, so I don't disagree with anything you said. There was just a lot of it was maybe even tough to evaluate Lowry for different reasons, but whatever. That's why you make millions of dollars, and we're talking about you on a podcast that's free. You know, like those are the decisions you should be good at. Like that's your whole job, right? Um, Yeah. So, so that just kind of is what it is. Like I don't, I don't think that grants them any excuse at all to me that well, this would have been hard. Like yeah, would have been hard. You know, that's that's your job to make hard things uh, happen. But here's the one thing I'll say is. Even if you, I used to think, if you undid the vooch trade, like that, probably everything would be better. And I do kind of think if you undid the vooch trade and you could take Halliburton instead of Pat, maybe that would have been true. But if you ignore, no doubt it would have been. But if you, if let's say those things happen today, would be way way better, right? Like we'd be way happier if we could undo those things, and and make that those couple couple shifts. But the other thing I would say is, like Lonzo would still be hurt. Maybe still, who knows if he'll ever play again. And Zach would still be maybe on a really bad contract if his knees don't ever get better. You know, like there's still other real risks. Like we've harped on the Vooch trade a lot, but there's still other real problems now. Like you might have $60 million tied up between Zach and Lonzo for the next, you know, couple years that you're getting not a lot out of and that you can't move off of either. And if so, that's just the death of your franchise. Like you can't do anything with that then. You're you're just you're just done.
0: I think Zach was a much harder decision. Like I agree I it was a hard I decision. On that I, that saying, was the hardest one out all of them. I'm not saying I mean, there were easy can you decisions.
1: That? I'm not saying there were easy yeah. decisions. I'm just saying like that that's where we're at though. Like realistically. Like it's a, it's 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 like really tough there. Let's go back in time. And
0: they don't make the trade for Vucevic. And you got Wendell Carter Jr. who, contrary to all belief, I think would have gotten better. I don't think he would have suddenly said, "I can't play in Chicago and not, you know, get any better." Like that's the general theme, I guess. Well, he couldn't have done that in Chicago because yeah. there's so much. I, th- pressure, th- I think he would know, have like, for sure got better. I think it's so stupid.
1: He he, had, yeah. he missed off seasons because he was hurt. He missed a lot of games because he was hurt with freak like, injuries. Like the reason he wasn't playing thumb. is because he yeah. was hurt. Like that. That's the whole thing. It was like so obvious. We said I said that at the time we traded him. I said I think Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be better than Vooch before this contract is up. I didn't think it was going right to happen last year, but I thought <laughs> by this year it was yeah. going to happen. And I said it was because like Wendell didn't really get a fair chance because of all the injuries, and none of them were injuries that lead you to think he's going to continue to get hurt. And so whatever, just is what it is. I, either way, maybe a broad theme of this is, I think our front office sucks. I've kind of thought that for a long time, and I've hinted around it, and I've been a little too scared to say it because they've been so Teflon. And, you know, like I've, I've yelled at different deals they've done, but they've been so Teflon. Everyone just screams at you when you say they suck. I think they suck. And now I think everyone else realizes they suck. Or if not, they're like pretty concerned. Certainly at a, at a minimum, like the they, – they don't have any like, oh, we'll wait and see what happens stuff. Now there's like they're open to real fire now. Well, let me jump in here. I don't think they suck. I think they like, suck.
0: Like you can't say they suck. I can't. you saying DeMar DeRozan <laughs> – you signed Demar or you acquired Demar Derozan, who's arguably to me one of the best acquisitions in the history of the franchise. You can't say it's like a total
1: disaster, Doug. It's not. I didn't Just say that move alone. I didn't say they. Every well, you said single, they suck. They do suck. I didn't say every move they've made is bad. <laughs> like I agree. Well, he
0: had like five, six, seven moves. I mean, come on. Well, that's a made, big one. That's a big The thing. Win. Is
1: like I said, it comes down to strategy and execution. That's what I've been talking about. Their strategy was fucking dumb. It's just dumb. Their strategy was dumb. They implemented a dumb strategy that had no hope of success. People complained that Gar Pax was too conservative. These guys were like the ultimate of conservative. Let's use every single asset we can to get our asses kicked in the first round of the playoffs. That was their strategy. Let's just throw everything in there so we can get our asses kicked once. That's their strategy. It was a dumb strategy. I don't think they, they would argue
0: that's the strategy. I think the strategy was if Ball stays healthy, we're significantly better. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if Vooch
1: all of a sudden was like an impact player, and if Ball stays well, healthy, and if Zach stays healthy, and— No uh, one could have predicted Vooch collapsing. No one? Like he did. No one? Like your well, podcast Doug, to, partner? Even who, you! <laughs> even predicted you! That th- he would be Doug, worse than it, Wendell Carter Jr., and this was a fucking disaster? Doug, when I when that trade was made,
0: if I asked you, what do you think he'll shoot from three next year? There's no way in the world you would have said 30%. No, but what, what, what I did say, what I did say before
1: ahead. the trade was made is there's no reason to think he's a good three-point shooter. There's no reason to think that. He's had one good year in his entire career as a three-point shooter. There's no reason to think he's a good three-point shooter. And I did say that. So, well, that yeah, was no I'm not saying shooting
0: 40% on six attempts a game.
1: Yeah, one year. That's a pretty good reason. One year. Yeah, but still a year. Out of 10 years, like, one year. There's no reason to think. People have fluke one years all the time. There's no reason to think he's going to be good. You should absolutely take a, 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 you know, like a, a car without a hood
0: and drive around the neighborhood and wave. And Because you were right on a lot of this stuff. It doesn't matter. I don't want to that be fucking said, right. I want
1: to have a good team. Not to me neither. I don't it's, like it when sucks. you're right either. It sucks. This is like awful. Like, it just sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate watching this team now. It's just, it's just the worst. It is the worst fucking well, watching these guys. Let, and I hope when watch. ball gets back, it's better. I really do. Like I do think that there's. It will some get chance. better. I predicted it. I do think there's I some said, chance. I can't wait till
0: ball gets get, If Manzo so is back. Again.
1: I just I just hope he comes back. There's like so much fear I have that he's just like done. That this is it. Like he's Brandon Roy and he's just he's out. Like how many knee surgeries has this dude had now? Like four in his career.
0: Yeah, that that would be uh, utterly devastating if you know somehow he doesn't ever come back and. At this point, you got to say it's, it's potentially possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean
1: so they, they shaved something in his knee. They've not even given any clarity as to what happened, right? They're just like, the most clarity we have is LeVar Ball saying like, yeah, they went in there and there was some, some stuff, you know, hanging out, touching his nerves, and they shaved it off. So we think the the thing is fixed now, like in some random super non-medical tweet. That's the most info we have. But let's just say they went in and they shaved something off his knee. Like typically that type of procedure is like a – like three to four week recovery type procedure. Like when they shave a meniscus, guys are usually back in like three weeks. Like Lonzo's, Lonzo's been out for like two months since that surgery, right? And there's like no, there's nothing, there's no news you've heard like, oh, he's almost back now. Like so, even with this, which seems like it should have been a minor procedure, like he's still out, and they they've got no timeline, we have no update. So like, I just, I, God, I hope he comes back, and I hope he's really good, but. Man, that just feels like such a long shot right now. I I, I just, we just delete this whole show. i have so much negative energy from this show. Like I can't even listen to myself. Yeah, I think you're insane. I don't
0: think it's it's that negative. Oh, like it it, it's not great. It is. This it's a it's, sad it's thing. Pretty, is it is that bad? Let me explain you why it's not. Doug, okay. All right. Let, let's go down please, the road. Let, please let's say please, we lose please the next. Please bring me up.
1: <laughs> let <laughs> please, me get you off the it. ledge. I need it. I need it. Me bring me up the ledge, Fred. Let me
0: let me get you off the ledge right now. Let's say let's say things get real dark. Let's okay. say we lose our next six games in okay. a row. All right. So that's that would be we uh, we've <laughs> I, lost I six out of you're seven. You're not helping me get that off the ledge. That would be thirteen yet.
1: out of fourteen. <laughs> this is not. This <laughs> is, this is moving me towards the ledge. I'm like I'm <laughs> now <laughs> like looking over the edge, going like the rocks look really tempting. Like what? <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. Well,
0: here's here's where you here's where All I'm right. going. After we lose thirteen out of fourteen, we pick up the phone, we call the Lakers and Toronto Raptors, and say, "DeMar DeRozan is now available to one of you two teams. Give us your best offer." The Raptors absolutely they own all their draft picks going forward. I think you could get a significant return for DeMar DeRozan from the Raptors and really kind of finish a great story on his career where he goes back to Toronto, helps him in the playoffs and maybe make the miracle in the East. Or you talk to the Lakers and say, "Give us those two picks," which is absolutely what you should get for a all NBA player who's having another great year. And I mean, the roster sucks. Like, I can't even imagine one guy you'd want on, on that roster who's young. Maybe Lonnie Walker. I don't even want Lonnie Walker, to be honest with you. Nah, you're you just going to get Russell, the picks in Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, exactly. Two picks. Take that and then, and then, you know, probably cut Westbrook or even have him play point guard for a while. Let's have some fun. Get rid of him, right? Uh, so you, you make that trade. So now you got two draft picks, and, and now we're going to tank. Now we're really going to tank, and our goal is bottom four. I know the odds aren't that great, but we're going to be really close to the worst record in the league if we lose the next six in a row, 13 out of 14. And now let's go for a full tank. You call the Knicks, Zach Levine for R.J. Barrett, and Picks, which they have plenty of. See if they take it. If they don't, we'll just stick with Zach. And then the third one is get Vooch for a second rounder or whatever you can. You probably got to really, throw a Vooch let's, in let's with fully that. tank.
1: Uh, got to probably throw Vooch in with DeMar to match Westbrook salary. Okay, good. Yeah, that, yeah, well, which, which doesn't hurt you. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, DeMar is right. 27, Westbrook, I think it's like 45 or something like that.
0: Oh, my God. You're right. It makes $47 million. Wow. Well, anyhow, that but that's coming off the books. Yeah, why, that's fine. Why, yeah, are anyway, why are you depressed over that? Why are you depressed over this option?
1: I, where, I, yeah, well, yeah, one, gonna give away- one, I think there's 0% chance we'll do that. I, I mean, I actually think that's the best plan. It, and it's like super unlikely to work. You know what scares me though, that, <laughs> that option? You're the worst team in the league at the end of the season. Maybe not the worst. Maybe you're like, the second worst. You end up picking five. fifth, and you send the fifth pick to the Orlando Magic. I mean, like it's, like, like, it's actually, if you're the worst team in the league, it's like a 52% chance or something like that that that's what would happen. Like, it's not like this is, like, a fringe possibility. It's the most likely scenario. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's just where the lottery well, odds are. So When do we give up that uh, DeRozan pick? 2025, that? but that that one's lotto protected. Like we won't. It, I think it's it's lotto, and I, I can't remember the exact. If it's lotto forever, or if it's, it's like maybe lotto, and then like 11, 10. Like, I mean, you get a little time on that one. And it's not going to bite mm-hmm. you so bad, most likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you always can get like a Donovan Mitchell at 12, or a Tyrese Halliburton at 12, or something like that. But I think Mitchell's 13. Whatever. Anyway, you you can sometimes get like a great players in those those positions. But I mean, like the most likely scenario is even if you do give up that pick, it's like in 2026 or 2027, you know, and it's, it's a bit player. Or you've turned things around because you got Victor Yama and you're now a great team again, and, and the pick's worthless yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, uh, that one is not as scary as the – like, the scenario if you tank this year and you end up giving Orlando the five pick or the six pick, like, that's so disheartening. I mean, I think you still have to do the best thing for the franchise. You can't worry about what you give Orlando. You know, you really can't. That's some cost mentality. Your goal is not to make Orlando worse or to make this trade look not as bad as it was. Your goal is to figure out what's the best path for the Bulls to play well, and you got to go down that path.
0: Man, this is dark. That's a dark road, right? But that's the game I think I'd be willing to play because there are there just happens to be four great players in this draft, right? That it could potentially be franchise-level players, and so yeah, you're right. That would Talk about a, a a two by four to the face if they tanked, we ended up with the fifth or sixth, seventh pick. That said, we could end up with one, two, three, four.
1: Yeah, I mean certainly if you we're, we're could with if you could get one or two. I mean my my understanding, and I'll not look deeply into the draft, is there's like two guys at the top who are clear one and two and are just look like absolute super studs. Uh, and I don't know after that. So you know if you get one or two, yeah. You I mean the thing is in the NBA that and and maybe one of the great things, if you do want to think about something positive for the bulls, you're never more than one player away from rebuilding the whole thing. You know, like you draft, the, you you draft the next LeBron and it's over. You, you've rebuilt the whole thing. And and sometimes the next LeBron is not like number one, like Giannis Antetokounmpo was, you know, 15. Kawhi Leonard was like 15, you know, it, uh, Nikola Jokic was, what, like 42, 43, somewhere in the 40s? You know, like, so it's it's not likely to get that guy outside of the top couple picks. But you're never more than, like, one superstar player away from rebuilding the whole thing. And you can sometimes get that guy from unlikely places. And, you know, like, the odds are low and it's not exciting to think about. But that that's kind of where I think the Bulls are is you're hoping to get – Something out of somewhere that's unlikely, like that's what they need.
0: Doug, I lost you for a
1: second. You you're so depressed by my it, my my thoughts that you hung up. I hung on up. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I hung up <laughs> me. Sorry about that. I can't take <laughs> it anymore.
0: Keep going. You just keep threw
1: yourself head. off the cliff. Um, you were
0: in a good mood there. You were Yeah, no. I uh, just saying, You're, you're
1: never more than one player away. You know, like if you want to say, like, what was the most hopeless situation you could imagine? It was probably like the Brooklyn Nets like three or four years ago when they gave up all those picks. Can you hear me? If this happens one more time, I'm going to put away my headphones and just talk to you on the phone. Ah, I think it maybe it was me. I've turned, turned off the Wi-Fi calling. We're going to hope it's better. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was on. All right. Technical difficulties. Boy. So if you think of the most hopeless thing you can think of, it's the Brooklyn Nets of like a couple years ago, You know when they traded all those picks to the Celtics, and they had no young talent. And, and you know, they had no picks on the horizon, and they were awful. And, you know, it was like only a couple of years later and it didn't pan out for them, but they ended up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden. And while that didn't end up working, ultimately, like you, you would have gone into the season thinking like these guys could win the title. Like a team that looked like one of the most hopeless situations imaginable transitioned from that into having like three top 15 players, one of, you know, two of them in the top five possibly. And, you know, now as it turns out, the Nets have, Maybe re-push themselves back in a totally hopeless category, <laughs> but but you know, like so you, you always can turn around things quickly in the NBA because you're never more than one player away. Well, let me
0: just say one more thing too, because uh, you know Patrick Williams continues to be a lightning rod of discussion for the team. And on November 16th, in the game in the loss against the Pelicans, I highlighted a play which I found irritating. And if you stop the play, I you know it for some reason. Anytime I criticize Patrick Williams, people who I respect and quasi respect always come at me and are always angered by it. And I'm kinda at a loss as to why. If you watch the play and did you see it? There were three thousand six hundred and twenty eight views of my uh t- Twitter. Were you one of those three thousand six hundred and twenty eight, Doug?
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw I don't I mean I, uh, I, you, I you saw the play. Saw the you play. saw the play. Okay. Let, let's let's I didn't let me, think it me was that noteworthy, something. but I, I saw the play.
0: Okay, you didn't think it was noteworthy. It's noteworthy to me because he does this eight times out of ten. And not only him. I mean, I see young players do it all the time.
1: Most guys and in his role didn't... are doing that. Like his role, you know, like I, I, it's like I agree. It wasn't like, oh, wow, this guy's moving around doing all kinds of stuff. But I didn't think like, wow, this is something that only Patrick Williams does. Like <laughs> most guys are. Well, he, does it,
0: he just does it more often. Yeah, he does it more often.
1: Like, like if we're trying to convince me that Patrick Williams has low motor. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you would need to show, like, a 1,000 plays in a row to, like, make that point, not one. But, yeah, I agree. Like, he's a low-motor player. Like, no one's arguing that, right? He does that. Uh,
0: so the play was, let me describe it really quick, three-point shot. I think it was by Caruso. When that shot goes up, he's standing at the three-point line. At that moment, when, when Caruso starts to rise up for that shot, you have a choice as a player on the perimeter. You can either attack the rim for an offensive rebound or you get back. As hard and as fast as you can. He does neither. He does the jog back often. Ended up in a play in transition. I'm just highlighting it because he doesn't play hard, and people continually give excuses and excuses for him. And I'm just tired of it. Like I don't understand why people aren't willing to say, "Hey, Patrick, you need to play with far more fire and 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 tenacity with more regularity." Like, I wouldn't have highlighted it if I didn't see it all the time. That's my point. Like, I know every player does that occasionally. They jog back. But he does it all the freaking time. And you can't have that for a 21-year-old who's not playing 35 minutes. He's playing 30.
1: I didn't think it was as, as damning as the one I posted of the rebound, which I think you saw. Yes. <laughs> that, that was way more damning. Well, that happens all the time, too. He's a yeah. horrible rebounder. Yeah. Yeah. But but either way, yeah. I mean, like, look, if if the end point is that Patrick Williams is – he's he's – shown some signs of life lately and that's better than when he showed no signs of life like i agree with that statement but if you wanted to say like is is patrick williams like on the path to anything here like i'm not sure the answer to that is yes you know like i, I, I he's still not playing like well or anything he's but but it's a little better at least if, a little, you, if you want to if you want to if you want to say one nice thing about Patrick Williams, can I do that?
0: Yeah, sure. OK, please do.
1: So so one nice thing about Patrick Williams over the last four games, uh, Patrick Williams is six of 11 from the three point line.
0: That's very good. So
1: so over 50 percent over, you know, not not high volume, but averaging, you know, it's about three a game for the last four games and, and making more than more than half. So, like, you'd like to see that that volume creep up to, like, five shots a game. But but his makes, if he was doing five shots, a, you know, his makes are, are pretty good right now. He's getting about one and a half threes a game. You know, so it's something. Like, I mean, like, it's one of the things you want from him, right? The hope would be, be like a three and D switchable four. And he he is starting to give you the three-point shooting, at least, where, you know, that that to me is at least one thing he's got going for him.
0: That's good. Glad to hear that he's becoming a – sharp shooter and bringing up his, what is he up to on three point line? Uh,
1: 39% on the season,
0: which is fantastic and excellent. And it's something that I, he's always done since he's, he's got here. Yeah. That's not the issue. The issue is playing with fire and, and playing consistently hard. That's yeah. the main issue. For well, he's, them.
1: he is shooting more threes than he has in the past though. Like his, his attempts are up to 2.9 a game. And his minutes are like 25 and a half. So his minutes are actually down as his attempts are up. So like in terms of like a minute adjustment, he's shooting almost twice as many threes as he did his first two years. So that, that like is a positive, right? Like you want high volume and you want, you want volume and efficiency. Like you want both those things. And so now that his, his attempts are up to four per 36 minutes, like that volume is starting to get there. Whereas previously that wasn't
0: true, I got to throw something out here about Patrick Williams. These, these are the kind of comments I deal with
1: when I post these brilliant polls. You, I just, so, I just tried to end this on something poll. positive. And now you're gonna, I, I got to say this because I'm
0: irritated. I'm, I'm irritated.
1: <laughs> I did you see my poll for today? I, I, I did not see your poll for today.
0: All right, Acme has made some excellent moves, acquiring DeRozan, drafting I.O., but most rational observers would admit the Vucevic trade and drafting Williams over Tyrese Halliburton were mistakes. What was the biggest mistake? And then the options are Vucevic trade, P. Will over Halliburton, and option three, these weren't mistakes. What do you think people said?
1: <laughs> um, what do you, what, give me the breakdown for I, the fans.
0: Already 300-plus
1: votes. Oh, God. I have, I have no idea where the fans are going to go in this. I mean, I think the Vucevic trade was by far the biggest mistake, if I was going to name it. I, I think at this point fans would say that, too. I think, I think, I think that would draw 50% or more at this point.
0: Vucevic trade forty point eight percent. P Will over Halliburton forty four point nine. Get ready for this one. These weren't mistakes. Fourteen point three percent.
1: That's a pretty small margin, though.
0: Fourteen point three percent. I mean, <laughs> how could you be?
1: I don't know uh, how you could not see those as mistakes at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but I, like fourteen
0: out of a hundred fans. But don't at least, think at least Vucevic it's not trade and P Will. At least it's ahead.
1: not two thirds. Like you know, like <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, at least 85 percent of Bulls fans. Made a and rational here's choice. A kind of resp-
0: here's the kind of responses I get to this poll. This guy, Cool Hand Luke. Wendell couldn't stay healthy or out of foul trouble. Everybody wanted him gone. Laurie, too. Where is the poll where we should never have let p- campaign go? Okay. Yeah, a moment of silence <laughs> for the idiocy of this, this comment. The first sentence, Acme has made some excellent moves, but most rational observers would admit the Vucevic trade and drafting Williams over Hot. Hart- I'm talking about Acme, cool hand. Take a nap. Take a nap. Yes, take a nap. Campaign was not an acquisition or move by Acme. Thanks. If you want me to throw that poll up, I will. I was not one of the people who was uh, angry at Campaign. I never thought he he was healthy here. He always had feet problems.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Campaign also. like Here's the thing I say about about Campaign and about Larry. When a guy goes to another place after your team, and he's not any good there either, and then he goes to another place after there and bounces back. It really takes a lot of the sting out of it for me. I don't know if you feel the same, but it's like guy has got to good a, for Cleveland. He's all right. He's all right. Like I mean, was, See, I think he was better for Cle- he was good for Cleveland, I thought. I mean, his his volume was time. down. Like he was, he was like just a pure role player for them. Like what he's doing what he's doing in Cleveland was fine. And it, it was pretty similar to what he did for us the year before. You know like he, like the year before his final year here as a role player he was actually fine if you didn 't think about him as a star and you thought like as ah, a big dude shoots threes he 's giving you efficient points, but not a lot else like that 's what he did for Cleveland too. what he 's doing in Utah is a little bit different like now he's he 's more of the centerpiece of an offense, and he 's giving you volume and efficiency and and that 's like a little intriguing but so for me, like you know like at Cleveland, he was like a sixteen million dollar player, which is his contract he signed, and for the bulls, he was probably around uh you know, like a 12 to $16 million player. Like, that's what he was like for here. And and so it's fine. Like, he was around that. He got a deal, you know, commensurate with his ability. And now he's he's taken that ability so far this season. We'll see if that stays. But so far this season, he's stepped it up a notch, like a, a pretty big notch. And whether that was needed a new location, needed a different system, needed different teammates, needed just time to to work on his game, I mean, like, I got no idea. Maybe he just likes living in the mountains. Like, I have no clue. But whatever it is, like, what Laurie is doing this year is fundamentally different than we did before. And, you know, they were, and he had lots of chances, right? Like, like, Wendell, when we talk about Wendell, like, he, he was hurt. He didn't get to work on his game in the off season. He didn't get a lot of minutes because of the injuries. Like, Lowry was featured. Like, we tried to cram as much down his throat as we could. You know, to force him into to getting minutes, touches, shots, everything, right? Like we built things around him, and and it wasn't working here. Uh, so, that, like, I think that's like a little bit different to me. I, and like still, you'd undo the Lowry trade right now if you could, right? Wouldn't you? You know, you could trade Lowry back, and you'd give up Derek Jones Jr. and whatever that Portland pick is. You'd take Lowry back, wouldn't you? At this point,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's it was a mistake. Your problems with shooting and yeah, exactly. So and, it was a mistake. I'm
1: not trying to say it wasn't a mistake. But, like, that one to me, like, I don't feel as bad about it. It's not like he left here and then immediately did really amazing or that we didn't give him enough opportunities or chances or whatever. You know, like – but if someone else is a big Lowry fan, was like, I knew it all along. Hey, you were right. Lowry <laughs> is playing great now. So, you know, I'm not trying to take away from anyone who was a big Lowry fan and thinks, like, we should have done whatever. Um, it, it just doesn't cross my mind in the same way because we gave him so many opportunities uh, – You know, here and it it just wasn't working, and and I think something was missing. Honestly, I think Donovan was just a really bad coach for Lowry. Donovan loves to run out small guys. He doesn't want to run out a legit power forward. Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan's just a bad coach for everyone. You know, but, but Donovan, it's like, if you're like,
0: you know. Except, except for the coach's son, he was yeah. great for Ryan A. Yeah. but <laughs> Stuck in the league a little longer.
1: But, you know, like, like, like Donovan is, is like really hung up on this hub center and like, you know, some other stuff that I think was not great for Wendell. It was not great for Lowry. Like, he seems like a guy who needs pretty specific players to, to do what he wants to do. And he's a really good players coach. Like the players like him and all this other stuff, but I. He does not seem like a guy you just bring in and he'll figure out the best way to make it work with what's there, and very few coaches are. I think most coaches are system coaches. They got a thing they know really well and they want to do that thing. And and Donovan's thing seems to be running like four guards in the center, like you know that's what he did at OKC with his success there as well. So, um, you know, like those guys didn't didn't fit with his thing. Wendell wasn't the type of center he needed, and Lowry was not, you know, a, a four that he would use, and and Lowry wasn't capable of playing center, so. Uh, just maybe a bad fit, but but either way, we gave Lowry lots of chances. Uh, I I wish we had him back, but I don't I don't I don't, Let, I don't well, lose sleep on it. Last
0: topic. I mean, we're recording this, you know, an hour just an hour or two before the Bulls play Boston, which I think we all anticipate is going to be an L. But who knows? They if they win, everything that we've said here is going to look pretty foolish. Yeah, maybe. Um, no, actually, it'll still look, I think, pretty
1: pretty significant. Well, the mood but would certainly be we'll a lot see. better if they win. <laughs> I mean, I hope yeah, they exactly. win. You know, like, but like, I, do, I I ask, hope they just get off this night here. Yep.
0: I did want to talk about one more topic, which was Zach upset about being benched, the move to be benched. Like, what, what's your take on that? I'd like your comments on, on that whole situation.
1: I don't think there's anyone who's right or wrong in that situation. Yeah, like, I, like Zach was a disaster in that game. Yeah. And like, yeah. and so, like, if you bench him, like, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I don't think that's a problem. Like, I, and, and Zach saying, hey, look, you should have put me back on the last possession to shoot free throws and whatever. Like, yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Like, even if I was really bad. And, and Zach saying, look, I was really bad, but I'm a star and I should be out there. Like, we just gave Zach 200 something million dollars. So either we don't think he's a star or we're not treat him like a star in that game. Because like, I, don't think, I don't think the Bucks are going to bench Giannis at the end of a close game if Giannis is like one for 50 in the game. They're just going to be like, yeah, all right, he's got it, next shot. Like, they just, he'll draw a foul, he'll do whatever. You know, like, you just don't bench guys who are your star players usually. So I think it it was the right coaching move because I think actually not benching a guy who's just because he's a star when he's just got awful is like a bad. You're doing that mainly to protect the guy's feelings, not because it's the right coaching decision. So Donovan made a decision that did not protect Zach's feelings but was probably the right coaching decision. And, you know, they say they worked through everything. There's no longstanding issues. And if that's the case, then I I don't think it's a big deal. You know, clearly it didn't work. We didn't win the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think big picture, I think it was the right decision. He came back in about six, five minutes left, took two horrible shots. It was the right decision to bench him. I hate to say it, but I think we should all be adults and just go on from this and, you know, I don't think Zach will have another game like that ever again. So what if you lose – I think it was the right decision. What
1: if you lose Zach? What What if you lose him? What if Zach's like, you benched me? Fuck you. And he's just mentally done with Donovan. It's not going to happen. Let's say it did. It's not going to happen. Let's say it did.
0: Then you'd have to
1: – So well, what I mean is I if it did mean. happen, if it did happen, would it still be the right decision? When you were trying to win that game, I would say no, yes. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying the right decision for the franchise. Would it be the right decision if you lost Zach Levine mentally because of that?
0: It, 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 it would not be the right decision it would if that's what So That's all There's I mean. There's no way you
1: can know that. No, th- well, no way you, would know that. you could know that in the sense that, like, a lot of guys are really particular about this, and that's why teams don't bench star players in this situation even when they're really bad. Like, that's why I started saying this. It's just not something teams do, and that's the reason they don't do it because they don't want to run into that situation because the risk is actually very high and the reward is actually very low. Like the reward is like, maybe you'll do better in this one single game you're playing. And the risk is you're going to piss off this guy for the rest of the season or in some other way. And so maybe like the odds of you pissing him off, like aren't that high, but like if it happens, the consequences are very devastating. So either way, and I guess that's what I get back to. Like, I don't think there's like a wrong, right or wrong thing here. Like it's just as bad as the stars ever going to play in a game. So, if you're ever going to do it, this was the time to do it. And I think Zach clearly does not seem like he's bothered from it so far from his comments. But, like, I I really do wonder what he feels like underneath. Because Zach has said a lot of things in comments that you know are not true. Like, he, he definitely has a media face. You know, when he's talking about his knee, like, before the first game of the season, says he's totally fine and sits for two games. Like, that made no sense. So, you know Zach will say things that people want to hear. And I don't mean that, like, maliciously, like, oh, what a terrible person. Like, I'm glad he's mentally aware and doesn't want to cause more drama, right? Like, it'd be way worse, even if he is mad, it'd be way worse if he came out and said it than if he just said, oh, everything is good now. You know, like, it, so so either way, it's the right thing for him to do. I'm not, not trying to, but, but I don't know for sure that he's not mad. That's all I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he's bristling underneath about it a little bit and, and kind of pissed off. And the fact that they lost the game on two Vooch free throw misses, I think, like makes that so much worse, right? Like if they win that game, if Vooch ices those free throws, then I I think it's not an issue at all. But the, the result is like you didn't play me, and we lost, and we lost because you let this other guy shoot free throws instead of me. Like you know, like that that all plays into it a little bit too. So I don't think it was a bad decision from a, from a game perspective for sure, and probably it's fine from a season long perspective. I mean, like God, you hope so, but yeah, I don't know. I. There's so many weird things going on with this team right now. I, I'm going to start spinning negatively if well, I talk it. That's the more.
0: weirdest thing. That's the weirdest thing about the whole thing, Doug, is we've been talking about Vucevic for so long in this trade.
1: You know, he go, he misses
0: two free throws to lose the game to Orlando. Yeah. And, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. has an insane first half where he basically outplays him, outscores him in one half. It's just – and I actually thought the Bulls got a ton of beneficial calls – yeah, in that second half to get us back in the game. I thought I thought some of those calls were uh, absolutely awful. Yeah, we're moving screens. We complain like, a lot about this? calls going against us, <laughs> but I agree they they yeah. had the whistle. Oh in that my god, we had the whistle. In I that could game. I couldn't even believe some of those calls. I'm like, you know, I was happy like we came back, but <laughs> yeah. man, we still lose the game after getting
1: all that. It's just yeah. like
0: oh, I, so brutal.
1: Yeah, I have nothing. Th- I have nothing bad to say about Vuce anymore. Like this year, like that trade, I think was a disaster. But Vooch the player this year is doing okay. Like no, like if I got a, if I if yeah. I got to name the top 5 problems of the team this year, like Vooch is not one of them.
0: Uh his rim defense is terrible. Yeah it is. He, but it was I, terrible I, I when you got rim him. protection is a huge problem. Yeah. Those that, that and that's more I guess on attack. He's still was, rebounding,
1: uh, he's still rebounding, he's now shooting threes, he's hitting threes. You know, his efficiency is is, is up now. I mean, like he's he's giving you not quite the volume because he's not as high in the the shot food chain as he was in Orlando, but he's basically giving you like Orlando vooch now, and so it, like I, I still think that's only' super impactful, but you know this is what you sign up for i I think it's fine now i'm i'm happy i'm not I'm not mad about vooch. I think like you know I know I've been viewed as the biggest vooch detractor in the universe i but I'll also acknowledge like I think he's playing fine this year relative to he's playing better than last year, his three point shooting is better, his offensive efficiency is better. You know, I think I'm I'm okay with what he's doing this year. He's not he's not a problem. I mean like, he's not the solution either, but he's not a problem at least. And you know, the trade is a sunk cost, is what it is, was a mistake to make it, but there's no use harping on that. So so Vooch, you know, and even though he got outplayed by Carter and lost this game at at the free throw line, that's disappointing. Like I, I even even with all of that, I like Zach Levine was a bigger problem in that game than Vooch, right? Like Vooch lost two free throws at the end, but Zach's performance sunk the team way more than that. So uh, I don't think you can you can put it on him.
0: All right, brother. Let's bring this bus in. I gotta get going. It's been a lot of fun, despite all right. the three Try not calls to and drive the bus Negative into the discussions ocean or anything. All right, the bus is a mess right now, let's face it. It's like it's like <laughs> people are just throwing all this stuff on the bus. It's a big mess. And I understand the frustration. I understand the anger. I still think like even if things go really bad, there's a way out of it we just got to make the right moves and make that happen. There's but these always, next a games, <laughs> always a way out. There's always a way out, but it sure it, is not easy to figure it, out what it yeah. is. There's always a way out. You're right. Yeah, look at a lot of these teams. We're a little bit – I just think overall we're, we have DeMar DeRozan. That's an asset people are going to pay a lot for. We have – uh, well, what else is there? Caruso? <laughs> we got, we got a lot of assets. <laughs> Might be able to get like a turn.
1: 20th pick in the draft for Caruso.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. For a contender. Are you kidding me? Let me, absolutely. let me ask you this before I
1: mean. we go just quick. Yes or no. Let's say we do get our asses kicked the next stretch the next, whatever. I think it was like, I think our buddy will Gottlieb posted that, uh, in the next 15 games we play our opponents have better records than us. Let's say we go like 2 and 13, 2 and 13 over that stretch, something really bad. And we're now one of the bottom three teams in the league. And, and there's separation between us and like kind of like the middle of the pack. In that scenario, do you think we will actually tear it down and trade those guys?
0: I would say no. I think you, they're still going to wait till sell the ball come back to yeah. make this work. So do you,
1: I. Do you agree with me? I agree with you, and that's why my hope is low. <laughs> it's like I just don't think they're gonna make the good decision even if it's available. Yeah. All right.
0: Oh boy. All right, my friend. Well let's hope it doesn't get to that. Let's hope they win six in a row. And then we're gonna hope will so be quite different. If they win
1: six yeah. in a row against this streak, we will be like yeah. streaking. I think you
0: want an apologize I think you want an we'll, apology. I'll Acme.
1: apologize to everyone. I'll I'll come up with something weird <laughs> for me to do. I'll do it.
0: If they go, if they win five out of six, I want a public apology to Acme and to all the, the uh, positive fans.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is sure. That, I mean, you could come well, up with something true. way worse than that. Uh, <laughs> but sure, apology, easy. Done.
0: Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Take it easy, DT. Until next time, go Bulls. Go Bulls. <laughs>